94.4. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. The Danny Mac Show on a Monday on 101 ESPN. And once again, maybe to some people's delight, minus BK, I'm not sure if that's necessarily the case for everybody, but BK uh, not in on this Monday. Uh, could be in either tomorrow or Wednesday, I'm not sure. It's the uh, wedding and the reports of the wedding that do not end, so BK will be back with us at some point this week as we gear up for Christmas. And we kick off this week with the sports director at Fox 2 coming in studio here at 101 ESPN and that is Martin Kilcoin. Martin, you are no BK. I can tell you that. You can call me MK. Does that help? Yeah, that helps. Uh, over the years, I've, I'm not a big nickname guy for myself. I like to give nicknames out. I have my favorite one is the Mayor Maurice Drummond, who was with us for many years at Fox Two. Now he's at KMLV Channel Four, and Maurice Drummond was one of those guys always smiling, high five. And I said, "Man, I said you're like you're running for office." I go, "You're the mayor." So then he has a son, and they started calling his son the Deputy Mayor. And I was very proud. Of, I mean, not quite Berman-esque, but for myself, I just go by Martin. And some people call me Marty, but nobody— I call you Marty every once little in a bit. while. I get a little bit of that, and then, but MK every once in a while at the office. What do you prefer? Martin, really? Yeah. You know, my stepson Sheldon is, is here in the studio with me. We're running errands, and he said, don't, don't forget to tell him. They used to call me the Grinch because they said I was always saying no at the house. I, I was, can't see you being I a, was the no guy. I can't see you being a, a guy that uh, would say no. Every time I'm around you, you're upbeat, you're happy, you're making fun of me or somebody else. Well, yeah. You're cringing as I say that. That I'm always upbeat. Yeah. No, um, I like to be sarcastic, but in a fun way, Dan, in a fun way. Yeah. So I'm no BK, but I'm I'll be MK just for the segment here. Okay. Hey, thanks for coming in. You bet. I'm usually heard on KTRS, the Big Five Fifty. I do daily segments there, but I've been known to be up and down the dial. So this is great to be with you, Dan. Um, how many years now at Fox Two for you? Twenty four plus. Really, twenty four. And now. I have to tell you, I'm not one of those people. You came in when Pete Peterson was there. Pete Peterson was the sports guy when I got there. Dan Issa was in the department. Oh. Randy Naughton was in the department. Lou Tevlin had just left. Uh, and I actually applied when Jeff Cauley left. This is going back to 96. I'm working in Madison, Wisconsin. And I applied for the job. And Pete Peterson called me. And he said, I wish you had sent your tape sooner. And you don't usually hear that. Usually you don't hear anything. Or if you call, they're like, what do you want, son? Never call us again. And he said, no, you would have been a great fit, St. Louis guy. We liked your tape. You've done a lot between Ryan Lander, Madison, whatever. But the job was gone. Well, then a year later, they had an opening, and I was in town. I had sent a tape. I was in town. Cousin John, the famous John Gilmore. Oh, yeah. I'm at Cousin John's house, and I call over to the station, and I said, hey, I, I did send that tape. Just wanted to follow up, and I'm talking to Pete. And he was really short and like, yeah, okay. Well, we'll see. Yep, just stay in touch really brief and I'm like that's weird and I went back to Madison the next day and I get a call from the news directors and they want to fly me down and I I was just there I go to the meeting and Pete said I couldn't say anything because there are a number of people in the room this is before cell phones where you would right. just walk down the hall he's sitting on his landline at his desk and said I couldn't say anything even though I knew we were going to reach out and have you fly down I said I was in town yesterday in St. Louis so yeah back to the so that's how it all started. The glory days. Yes, Dan. Where are you from? And then you and I met in the early, you were doing blues. No, you were covering the blues for WIBV radio, yeah. I believe. Oh, yeah. I used to do, I was the stringer at one point, 
And when I say stringer, I had a special phone, no cell phones. You would take your recorder, you would plug in your recorder to um, an output on your phone, hit mute on the phone, and it was a direct dial, so it's not cell phones. And I was the reporter running back and forth from each locker room or each clubhouse or whatever sport was going on. I mean, SLU is top 25 at one point, so I was covering them. But it was like AP, UPI, ESPN, CBS, any of these late-night sports radio shows that you would listen to, I would be the guy gathering all that sound. And that's where I first met you. And I, I just asked you where you're from. You're from St. Louis, but I meant, like, what part are you from? So I grew up in Glendale, Mary Queen of Peace, Pride okay. of Lockwood there. And yeah. Then, and then I went to CBC. People know that by now. But in my family, all my uncles, all my cousins, everybody went to SLU. And I just decided to be different. And I just said, I'm not. And they're like, what do you mean you're not going to SLU? And they were, my uncles were outraged. And then for years, they're like, oh, I bet you'd like to win the stadium game sometime. Now they don't say that, okay? No, they don't. <laughs> they don't bring that up anymore. No. So, I yeah, played the, Glenn, the stadium the, game. I did. I played in the stadium oh, game. Vianney and DeSmet. Yeah, yeah. I, I've it was told, a doubleheader. It was so much fun with SLU, CBC, yep. Vianney, DeSmet. I've told Bill DeWitt the third, bring it back. Yeah. I mean, they do a lot of different events at Bush Stadium. I think it'd be a hit for alumni, especially. Oh yeah, to go down to Bush, and I would think Vianney Desmet would love it. I would think CBC and Slew would love it. I guess you give up the chance to host that game, but it's not yes. like uh, we're not talking about PSL right. holders here. <laughs> so you don't. You don't hey, wait a minute. Have you heard CBC? We've got a PSL for the luxury suites. <laughs> you get the three dollars to get into the game. I mean, no, so wouldn't that be fun? Oh, I'd love it. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm an idea guy. And my wife always says that doesn't mean they're all good ideas. Yeah, but I think that one would be a hit. Well, I've always felt like. Mizzou has to play Illinois in bragging rights. I think they should play them in football. I think, though, the state could set up something where you had Missouri State, um, Mizzou, you would have SLU, and throw in another team that you you want, SEMO. I don't care, whoever you want, but get some state schools with SLU, Mizzou, Illinois, all a part of it. And, and Like a round robin in basketball you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, and do like okay. an all-day event at the Dome or do it at uh, Enterprise Center. But I think that's a missed opportunity, too. And some states have it where it's in the bylaws of the, the state constitution. They have to play each other every year. Right. It's, it's got to be done. Right, and it's because they're publicly funded institutions. Exactly. Now, you can't rope St. Louis U into that because it's a private school. I do think, and we're kind of venturing off into it now, as we sit here with the bragging rights game coming up, you know, this slew Mizzou thing has got to happen at some point. You play 30 college games. I did some of those games with Norm and with uh, Spoon as my partners. And they were down at the Old Hearn Center. We did one in St. Louis. I think one was at the Dome, too. The Dome, yeah. And uh, they the atmosphere was second to none. I mean, it was just fabulous. And it was good for the sport, and it was good for college basketball in this area. It's got to be the boosters who are saying, don't do it. Don't Because it makes no – like – Mizzou loses to Kansas City, it doesn't mean that, like, your program's dead forever. I mean, this is obviously a terrible topic for Mizzou, losing games like that to Kansas City, but I'm saying you're willing to play a program like that. There's always a chance you could lose, and if you do, does it mean you're done for – like, if you lose to Slew, it doesn't mean the death of your program. It's just – I don't understand it at all. Marquette and Wisconsin play every year. It's one of the biggest games of the year. Tough ticket to get. You play enough games against the randoms of the world. I mean, who did Mizzou play? Paul Quinn? Kyle. Like, we all honestly looked it up. We thought it was made up. Right. It was a joke almost. It's a joke. And, and why not play? And it's more Mizzou than SLU. I think that's pretty well documented at this point. Um, just play the game. What do you think? You know, we're talking on this Monday. What do you think the crowd is going to be like for uh, Mizzou, Illinois? 
Boy, if I'm an Illinois fan, this is when I'm a vulture for tickets. No doubt. Because Mizzou fans are down. The team's struggling. It doesn't seem real promising. And they don't draw in Columbia anyway. Right. And so I think a lot of Mizzou fans here will go because it's part of their holiday season. It's a tradition to go. But if you're an Illinois fan, I would think the tickets are more available. So let's say not sold out, but maybe I don't know, it's still a holiday kind of vibe. You know, you get your buddies and go. Even if you're a bitter Mizzou alum right now, you'd probably right. still go. I, I, I'm, a, I'm not a big gambling guy, David. How about if I set the over/under on attendance at fifteen-two? And are how you going under? That, are you going under? No, I, I think you're about right. I think for a basketball game, what's it hold? Seventeen to eighteen. Yeah. So I'd say there's going to be some empty seats for potentially, sure. and I'd say the majority, especially by the end of the second half, will be Illini fans. Yeah, the, the orange will sort of take over. You won't have that beautiful split, which really is part of the fun it's when the, the building split in half. And you have two good teams going at it. Yeah, traditionally. Like it, Lou Henson Norm was oh, the best. heyday, for sure. What's weird about this game is it seems to me that the team that's the favorite doesn't typically win. You go into it and say, oh. Well, well, last year. Yeah, I mean, you'll say Illinois is the better team. Mizzou wins. Yeah, this year Mizzou's better. Illinois will win. I, I've seen that happen so many times. So if you're an Illinois fan, and I think they know this too, don't get over – even though Mizzou's down, you won't be overconfident going into that game. I appreciate you coming in, by the way. There was a lot of things that I wanted to get into, and I'm sure we will as the hour progresses. But uh, one of the things I just wanted to talk about was your career. And you mentioned it. It's been two and a half decades, and then you elevated to sports director at uh, Fox 2 – a lot of things, though, have changed in the last couple of years in how we do television, how we do radio, how we cover games. And you mentioned, like, cell phones. And I was just thinking, you know, right now, every kid that wants to get in this business is a reporter because you have a camera on your phone. Every person out there listening to us right now is a reporter, essentially, because it's on your phone and you can just upload it to social media. So it's made the job, I think, of trying to break stories or get the edge a little bit tougher. I think the biggest change, in addition to, yeah, everybody's got a microphone, everybody's got a camera, I think the biggest change in terms of breaking stories is that the teams have taken ownership of their own news. Yep. Like, they used to just let it come out, somebody would break it, or they'd leak it. A lot of teams would but leak it. But that's where you have to have a good relationship, though, with an agent. Yeah, agent well, for will sure. feed you. For you sure. Know. But I, I just think the teams have gotten smart and said, we'll have our own video department. Right. We'll break our own news. We don't want the paper to break it. We don't want the TV to break it. That's our story. And I think all the teams becoming basically media outlets, in a sense, has also changed what we do. But it is harder to break the story and the agents tip. And it's why the national guys, I'm sure it'll drive the local you know, beat reporters crazy that the national guys often have it first. That's because it's coming from the agents. The right. agents have the pipeline to the, and they want it to the national guys because it's going to reach a bigger audience that say, hey, we just signed for $40 million. We got Max's deal done with the Mets. Oh, really? And you got your John Heyman's tweeting it. It's just sort of how it works. But then your responsibility is to still be interesting, informative. You can still – like people will say, you know, TV's dead. You know, news is dead. Sports is – everything's dead, right? Except there's YouTube guys with 100 million That's followers. Right. I mean, why? It's still content. It's still personality. And if you have good content and you know with your website, scoopswithdannymack.com, nice somebody, plug. somebody probably would have said, oh, well, what are you doing a website for? That's a waste of websites are dead. Well, if you have good content. Well, don't right. do a podcast. Everyone's doing them. Well, if you do a good one, people will listen. That's and right. That's still the challenge. And, and that's, that's our responsibility each day. I used to have a saying on the wall at Fox, too. 
we had a grease board in there. And I said, don't ask stupid questions and we won't get stupid answers because we were doing our half hour Ram show every week. And the producer would be going through and saying, ah, we just don't have any, none of the sound this week is any good. None of the, and I would always say, well, what did we ask? You know, did we ask anything interesting? That's right. You know, maybe there's always some obvious angles, but maybe the punter is from Seattle and we should have talked to him about growing up there. What was it like? Was it always raining? Whatever. And this is what Marshall Falk would say to me. He, I mean, he was a jerk to a lot of reporters. He was really difficult. And he said, I can't stand the open locker room. He said, all y'all come in. You just got a free lunch. He goes, now you got, <laughs> he goes, now you got to earn that lunch by asking a few questions. None of you prepared. Yeah. And so people would hold the microphone up to him, and they'd say, talk about Atlanta. And he'd say, why don't you talk about Atlanta? Yeah. <laughs> and, and basically, it's not a question. That's right. And that is, that's a part of the job that we can control. And if you ask something maybe interesting, you know, you might get something back. And if you throw something really generic, you're going to get a really generic answer back. Martin Kilcoin of Fox 2 is my guest. You mentioned the podcast, and you do a lot of work at my website, scoopswithdannymack.com. That's why I'm here, because you're the boss. I had to say yes. Yeah, you had to come into the studios of 101 and do this. But I was going to ask you, you, you did, prior to Tony LaRussa getting to the Chicago White Sox, uh, you would do, was it weekly? I couldn't, it was weekly. It was weekly. Yeah, oh, weekly. Yeah. Now, he knows you imitate him. <laughs> you, he knows you make fun of him. So, no, Dan, I've never made fun of him. I have imitated him. Okay, you imitate him, which is a form of flattery. Uh, what in, was his re- theory? <laughs> so, like, uh, Tony would be talking right now. What, what would he be saying? Well, and I've told people this. The genesis of the whole segment, it's when I was at 590, we were doing mornings over there, and I would listen to the Sunday morning show where he would, and Ron Jacober, and they would take calls. And it's really pretty novel that a manager, especially at Tony's, at that point, he's pretty established, and he would take calls, and you could ask him anything he wanted. And I would listen because it's information, like, hey, what's he saying? What's new? Maybe I'll, that way that sure. night I have a, you know, a little better understanding what happened the game the night before. But the thing that I laughed about is if I was in the locker room the day, or in the clubhouse the day before, and I said, hey, Tony, what happened in the eighth inning? What do you mean what happened? And he'd like bite your head off. The next day, if it was Fred and Fenton. Eloquent answer. Or Mark well and Millstock. Oh, he thought these guys were great. Yeah. <laughs> and he does love the fans and he gives them great respect. And what I always you know, sort of based asked Tony off was that the questions could be ridiculous. And yet he gave them so much credence. Tony, I'm a season ticket holder up here in Decatur. First of all, you're doing a good job so far. Thank you, sir. And he would say, but I think if the guys went out and bailed some hay a little bit, they might be stronger in the ninth inning. And it literally, like, stuff like that would happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Ron Jacob, well, 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 Tony, we can hang up on him now. You know, we'll, we'll just cut him off. And Tony's like, no, no, that's, no, Ron, that is a really good point, man. That's probably something we're going to talk to Walt about today. These guys, <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, I just probably an outfield, get some hay bales and. Yeah, I mean, anything we do, get an edge. And I'm like, that's not like, – there's, no, and, and that's kind of how it happened. And I'm like, there's no way he would – like, if I said that tomorrow – You'd get killed. Your credential would be ripped off your yeah. neck. And that was kind of where it started. And so then when we did it, and it was never as much like it sounded just like him, but it sounded like something he would say, tied for first, ah, legit, you know, the, yeah. the M-E-H is – you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And I said, as long as he doesn't know, I think we're good. And I'm like, he's not listening to 590 at 7 in the morning. So a couple of weeks into it, 
he calls me over at Bush Stadium. Like, hey, you you making fun of me? And I said, what? You, on that stupid show you're on, you make fun of me? And I said, and I'm about to, you know, pale. Oh, yeah. I'm about to pass out. I said, what, what's that? He said, yeah, Hayes told me you got it. I go, oh, great. He said, Hayes told me. He said Jimmy yeah, did. Yeah, he goes, yeah, Hayes, so you do a little stupid thing about me or something? And I said, no. I said, it is an imitation, but it's all in fun. I said, we never mentioned your family, never anything personal. I said, it's kind of just silly stuff. And I go, you reference a lot of older players. You're kind of always talking about somebody from the past. He said, yeah, like who? I said, oh, I go, I might just randomly mention Ernie Riles. He goes, ah, Ernie Riles. And like he laughed. <laughs> and I go, that's kind of what I do is I'll bring up Ron Kittle. Yeah. Or I'll bring up, you know, that y- you wanted to bring, you know, uh, whomever. Whoever, but, you know, old time yeah. player into the game. And that Lamar you know, Hoyt, Larry Heisel you know. would be a good bat tonight. And like, yeah. well, Larry, uh, you know, Larry Heisel's 60, Tony. He's probably right. not going to play. And he kind of laughed about that. And then eventually he came on a couple of times. And did the segment with me on the phone and took the calls while I was taking them as him. Talk about pressure. And how was he with it? It was great. I mean, he obviously wouldn't have done it. That's the thing I've always said. Tony can be really grouchy. There's no doubt. And if you're a reporter, you can bite your head off. But he does have a sense of humor. And that was the greatest indication of he wanted it. He thought it'd be kind of funny. He agreed to do it. And I, he's on hold. And now I'm in the middle of one of these stupid shticks where the callers are Hey, Tony, how you doing today? Yeah, my cat keeps running away, and I got a dog to chase him. Do you think that was a good idea? Like the, <laughs> like the, the dumbest stuff ever, and I just had to come up with something. Right. And I would just be like, yeah, I remember in 83, Steve Trout's cat ran away, and everybody's like, what? <laughs> and I'd be like, I think it was Luzinski had a great idea. Like it was just all this stupid yeah. thing. Well, I'm doing this, and he's on hold, and you can just see his name on hold. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to hang up. This is so stupid. Yeah. And then they bring him in, McKernan or Hayes, like, hey, uh, this is random, but we have a guy named Tony on who would like to join the conversation, you know, says he knows you well or something. And he comes on, and he's like, yeah, you guys usually have uh, – pretty sure you guys usually have you know terrible guests, but uh, this guy here sounds real sharp, <laughs> very intelligent, probably good-looking. <laughs> he, he goes on like a little he spiel. Along. He played along, and it was great. And that's a sign of the sense of humor he has. And years later, we'd be doing events with Arf at you know the Fox. And he, I was like, because Fox 2 was a partner or something, I was going to present the next act. And you know, it was the, the basis from Toto. I don't remember. Right. And he pulls me like next to the curtain. I swear to you, I'm walking out there. And he goes, hey, I know you think you're a funny guy. Not tonight. I got comedians. Don't muck this up. <laughs> he goes, he goes, he said, he goes, you just get out there, get the band on, get off. And I go, wow, no wonder you guys lost the World Series last year. I said, that's the, I go, that's the least inspiring speech I've ever been given. But he, he's so competitive. He was saying, I've got comedians. They'll yeah. handle that. You, clown, get on there and get off. Yeah. And he was 100% serious. He was that locked in on that ARF event. He didn't want me to ruin it. And I had a couple of jokes. And I think I. Were they good? Yeah. I think I made a Brendan Ryan joke about how, like, his batting average or something. And then somebody like David Nail, who was a musician, like, retweeted, hey, at least somebody agrees with me on Brendan Ryan or something. Right. So I'm like, all right, somebody got the joke. Right. So that's good. All right. It is good. Uh, That's Martin Kilcoin. He is the sports director at Fox 2. Uh, I'm Dan McLaughlin. Again, it's a yes, Monday. Yes, you are. Can you do some, like, John Miller for me? That I live for your John Miller. And uh, 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 Martin, 
is uh, uh, digging in, and uh, it, it's a little chilly outside. Uh, the sun is just peeking through the clouds, <laughs> and he digs in on the right side. Martin from uh, Mary Queen of Peace. Is that where you're from? Y- yes. Okay. Uh, uh, Mary Queen of Peace. <laughs> and they have produced uh, many, many great athletes over the years. Have they? Martin, not one of them, and he went to uh, Christian Brothers College uh, right down the street here. And uh, we're located on Olive, and if you go down Olive, uh, Joe, it's uh, uh, to the right. So you're, you're going down the highway, and when you're going down the highway, it's uh, a football field, and you see it on the right. That's what I would do. That, that's outstanding, John, and I hope you have done it for him. He came in and said, I heard you. Do me. That's how he <laughs> yes. said it, and I, I didn't. I couldn't tell if he was happy with it. Did it or make not. you nervous uh, at first? Well, it's kind of like you've known him a little bit, so you had a rapport. I, I did, and I do, and so he was looking. It, it apparently, I did it during a game when McCarver said, "Hey, you know, do that, John Miller." You know, he did one of the. I st- so I broke into like John Miller ordering groceries, <laughs> and I, I remember did, I did like you know, uh, uh, apple. And uh, if you can get me a banana, and I'll mix it in with a little bottled water. And I did, like, something like that. Well, it went viral on Twitter, and so he's not on Twitter, I don't think, but his his kids were, and they sent it to him. So they came through St. Louis, and he goes, so uh, I heard you could do me. You know, he does that, and he goes, uh, and he's holding his phone, and he goes, uh, I got it, Dan, uh, off my phone. He did it like that, and I said, oh, okay. I said, uh, I don't know where that came from. He's like, my kids send it to me. You know, he did like one of those. And so I did it for him. I don't know if he was happy with it, but then he walked out and I was like, I think I was working with Brad Thompson. I said, I don't think he's very happy. Uh, and so that's how it all went. But, you know, I had an it's aug- a sincerest form of flattery. We got to go to a break. Okay, we're going to. All right. What do you want to. What no, do you I, I was going to say, I was on years ago with Bernie Meklis and he said, Hey pal, pal, you you wait, do do a little Tiger Mike. You, are you gonna do some Mike Kelly today? You know, so Bernie gets talks me into Mike Kelly. It's ten afternoon. <laughs> On the Tigers Radio Network, we'll be interviewing Michael Francis Alden, <laughs> director of athletics, intercollegiate activity, Missouri <laughs> systems. You're like, oh my god, this is the longest introduction ever. So I do this little shtick, and then Bernie's like, oh, I, hey, 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 pally, he, he, we got Mike on the line. He had been listening, and I didn't really know him at all at the time. This is years ago. Martin and he, and Bernie's like, "Hey, hey Mike, did, did our buddy Martin was just doing a little imitation of you, pal?" He's like, "I did, Bernard. I did hear it, <laughs> and that was it." And I was like, "Oh, awkward." Yeah, it, it's you and I imitate people. Some people like it, some people don't. Stay with us. That's Martin Kilcoin of Fox Two. I'm Danny Mac. It's a Monday on 101 ESPN. Back with more in a moment. Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Having a little fun on a Monday here on 101 ESPN. We continue as uh, BK not here. I'm Danny Mac. Danny Mac Show on a Monday on 101 ESPN. And you know, I love kind what, enough to stay. Uh, well, the way I got to okay, intro you, okay. it's, it's Martin Kilcoin of Fox 2, the sports director. Now go ahead, Martin, and hijack the show. No, I'm not going to hijack. <laughs> By the way, the, introdu- right ahead. the introductions are necessary. You're right. You're in and out of a break. That's right. The reset that is required in radio can be alarming. This is, again, years ago, Joe Buck is on with us, and we had just been hammered by management. You guys don't reset enough. You don't tell them who's on. And there's some guests. like, they know who this is. They know. And so we had just been advised, make sure. So, like, every three minutes, like, and we're joined by Joe. And, and like, after a couple of years, stop it. 
Stop doing that. So Joe is mad about yeah, it. He's or? like he just said stop doing that because we were overdoing it because well, we were told to. But what I was going to say, I did interrupt. I apologize. No problem. You're but the guest. I'm happy to be on 101. I'm normally on the Big 550 KTRS daily segments. I know you're a big fan. I don't miss many of them. But what what I, time are those? Uh well, Mondays and Thursdays around one forty. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. I set the alarm. Eight fifteen. Eight fifteen on uh, uh, Wednesdays in the right. morning. Thank you for your morning drive. Uh, Tuesday afternoons. But what I was going to say is, you know, I'm on one hundred one ESPN, but I cannot break down the front seven of the Miami Dolphins. That's okay. Or the secondary of the New York Jets, if you needed me to. I know you guys are kind of really intense about your sports here. You, you know, you kind of hijacked the show, and we went in our first segment about 23 minutes of nonsense, of really nothingness, <laughs> that I Perfect. Of, of stuff I wanted to ask you about. But I am going to ask you about this. You went to CBC, and I will get to some other stuff like the Rams later in the show, but you go to CBC, and Mike Shannon went to CBC, you had a very good relationship and have had a very good relationship with Mike Shannon over the years. So was the connection because you were around at the ballpark and he always saw you, or was it because, oh, that's the guy from CBC. I like Martin. I see him on TV, and, and uh, yeah, whatever he needs, I'm going to do it. I think early on, you know, he's like, who's this guy? You know, yeah. and, and, and that, when I say early on, I'm talking about the first five years probably. Who's this guy? <laughs> He used to come up to me because he knew we did a lot of Rams shows and coverage. Yeah. He would see me like in mid to late August. Like, How are they looking over there? Like he would always ask me football stuff. But I think eventually he knew it was a CBC connection. So then he maybe gave me a little more, you know, leeway. But you're around there forever. You get to kind of know him. And I've told you many stories, and there's plenty. But my favorite among them is when I, in 2018, so not that long ago. We wanted to do something with Mike Shannon. I said, but we've interviewed him a thousand times. And I said, maybe we get him fishing. I, that... I loved it when you did I'm like, that. I go, that was cool. And so, but first I call and uh, he calls back. He says, all right, I'll meet you at the studio. I said, no, 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 we're going fishing. He said, fishing? For what? And I said, no, no, this story is you telling stories while fishing. People will love it. Yeah, all right, I'll call you back. And then like a half hour, he goes, all right, where, what's a town Whitey's from? And I said, it's like a pop quiz. I said, yeah. uh, New Athens. He said, all right, meet me there tomorrow. And he hangs up. And I'm like, and the photographer is like. You don't know what time. You don't know like, when. I, I, I was told I'm shooting with you tomorrow, something with Mike Shannon. Where, I said, it's in New Athens. He said, okay, what time? I go, oh, crap. I don't even know. <laughs> and he calls me and says, three o'clock, be there, New Athens. And he hangs so up. So this had to be an off day then yeah. for the club. And so we start driving to New Athens, scheduled to be there. And he calls us, where are you at? And I said, we're almost in New Athens. New Athens, what are you doing going there? And I said, that's where you told me to go. And he said, no, Freeburg. And I said, oh, okay. You know, and I said, yeah. how am I going to find you, Mike? And he said, you'll just see me on the side of the road. <laughs> and he hangs up. <laughs> and the, photog you know, the photographers always want to put it in their GPS. They oh, want to yeah. know exactly where they're headed. I said, just keep driving. You know, a couple miles down the road, there's a big Suburban. I see this guy waving his arms. I'm like, that's Mike Shannon. And it was him on the it side of the him. road. Yeah, we were, we were going to some lakes. So what, there was trip. a lake. Uh, so you're on the highway. You, you, you see this guy waving. You and see I'm like, the suburban. Guess, you, you know it's Mike Shannon. Yeah, I mean, we pulled over. We saw a guy waving. I'm like, hopefully it wasn't somebody had a flat tire and they needed our help. Right. Because we're not terribly no. handy or that nice either. I bet the camera person could have helped you, but not you. Yeah, but it was great. And I, it just said in setting it up, 
you just got to kind of play. So him. how did you do? I mean, you you get into that. And you, are you fishing with him, or you just mic him up and then just we start asking? Mic him up and uh, just kind of behind the camera because it, it's a little bit tight quarters. Yeah. And then at one point, are you we, on a boat? We were on a boat, and at one point, we went on a separate boat so we could get shots from the distance. But I would just kind of pepper him with questions, and I remember he he had one big fish coming in. And it, he said, why don't you hand that to Mr. Kilcorn? Let's see if he can get that thing off the hook. And knowing probably that I was a yeah. pansy, you know, and he's yeah. like joking about that. And then later I said, Mike, you know, when you're you're reeling in a big fish, is it kind of like, you know, hitting a home run over the wall? And he says, no, no, that's a terrible comparison. <laughs> is that what he said? <laughs> yeah, something along those lines. He probably brought up Whitey Ford hitting yeah. a home run in the World Series. Yeah. You know. But to, to your point, he's been great to me. And they've had had some retirement stuff the last couple of years. And my mom loves Mike Shannon, so she would go with me up to Edwardsville, hanging yep. at the restaurant. And uh, now he's just been great. And so the CBC thing probably furthered the bond, but he was always he was always fun to be around. You know that. Oh, I mean, he my, uh, some of my most fond uh, memories uh, are with Mike Shannon, uh, not at the ballpark, but doing other things. I, I did a recent interview with Kelly Chase, and I, I was and he doing, and Kelly are very close, very close. And I said, if you can retell your favorite Mike Shannon story, this is Chaser. And, and said, one said, you can use. Well, yes. <laughs> he, he said, we're in a remote fishing town in Canada, which doesn't exactly narrow it down. But they flew up there with a guy, a really wealthy guy who had the plane. And after a couple of days, I guess the guy was really just being an SOB. So Shannon Chaser said, Shannon goes, I've had enough of you. Get out of here. Take your plane and go. Because he's like sick of the way the guy's acting. Really? And the guy packs up and leaves. And Chaser said, Mike, that was really impressive. How are we going to get home? <laughs> and Shannon goes, I'll find a plane. And Chaser goes, a day later, some guy shows up with a plane. It's unbelievable. And he goes, and we're in the middle of nowhere, and a guy shows up with a plane. Martin, you can tell these stories and about they're Mike. They're true, and, and it's they're unbelievable. True. That's a th I mean, the stuff that we did, I always called him America's guest. I mean, it didn't matter if the uh, PGA Championship was going to be held in three days at a course and they needed to shut down the course. We still were going to go on there and play it. Somehow, some way, he had an end there into a restaurant that was closed after the game. Uh, the, the chef would stay, you know, hanging around. He'll make your favorite food, stays with you. Mike, how you doing? Comes, hey, big boy, how you You know, it just he knew everybody, knows everybody. And, and made it fun. You know, I mean, we're away from our families, and that is probably the toughest part of the job is just being away. Everything else is remarkable. It's the best job in the world. But he made it even better because of the things that he would expose you to. And for me, I've always been very thankful to Mike is that when I started as a very young guy in this business, and Mike had been doing this for a long time and established with he and Jack, and Joe is established, and they took me under their wing and treated me as an equal. Not once did they put me down or not include me or whatever. And for that, I'm always very, very thankful. And people need to understand, Mike had more power at Bush Stadium than anybody. And I made this joke to Tony, and I would make kind of comments about how Mike runs the show, and Tony's like, how so, you know? Sure. And I said, my example is if Mike parked his Suburban in center field, because he couldn't find a better parking spot, he would just park it in center field. And I said, instead of being told to move it, I said, you and the umpires would meet ahead of the game about what the ground rules would be if the ball hit the Suburban. Yes. And Tony's like, 
Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> it's like, it's, and it, it's not that far of a stretch. That's the thing about it. Martin Kilcoin is with us, sports director at Channel 2. We'll take another time out when we come back. want to ask him about the Rams. He was all over that story, hosted the Marshall Falk Show and the Jeff Fisher Show on Fox 2. A lot of those games were on Fox 2. And now we have a settlement of $790 million. So we'll do that when we come back on 101 ESPN. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. This has been a lot of fun on a Monday, the Danny Mac Show on 101 ESPN. And uh, our final segment with the always entertaining, very talented Martin Kilcoin. So, um, Marty, I did want to actually talk a little sports if that's okay with you absolutely Dan. okay so 790 million dollars gets awarded from the nfl in the lawsuit with the city and 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 i saw that you were getting killed a little bit on twitter because you thought it was a win for the city so uh i happen to look at this pragmatically i've talked to a lot of lawyers about it and they're like man this is pretty darn good because it could again gotten held up in appellate court you may not see the money i mean just a lot of different things that were going into this once you pay the lawyers you're probably talking what 500 550 million or so going to uh the county and the city to split up which we'll find out how they do that but you thought this was a win didn't you yeah i think when you look at what could have happened which is very possible that that number could have been whittled down Let's say you win a $2 billion settlement. Well, after three, four years of appeals, it gets whittled down a couple more times. Or who knows, in a jury, something goes haywire. I think it's still a big number. I know in the NFL they have tons of money. That's still a big number. For them to write that check, the lawyer's fees, they created this case. They made this case. I really think they did. If you go back, anybody writing, commenting, and the early, what are we doing? Oh, we're suing them. Oh. People thought it was it, insane. Like, oh, what a waste. Just like let it go. They're gone. Give right. it, what are you chasing them for? If somebody then said, well, you can get $20 million out of these jokers. I'll take it. Then you can get $50 million out of these clowns. Take it. You could get seven hundred. Everyone that's complaining now, back then, would have said, "Oh my God!" Seven well, that's what I, the I problem was... is. People believed that a team was possible, and I've had people still argue with me about that. I just don't think that was ever. You never thought that was on the table. No, and people said, "Well, okay, even if it wasn't on the table, they could have gotten to that point." And I know there are some pundits who have continued to say that nationally, and maybe, I mean, maybe anything's possible, but I don't think that was a very realistic goal so if you're saying give me a team or giving me 790 790 million well i'll take the team all day i just don't think that was i don't think that was an option i agree it's disappointing because you want to see him squirm you want him on the stand you want as many of the secrets and the dirty deals that were talked about it absolutely would have been fun but also informative to really see i mean i think we get the idea but it would have been really fascinating to see exactly how much they were like, screw St. Louis, who cares? But if you remember... But I think we got some of that I out think, there. Yeah, some of it's out there. And if you remember even Hard Knocks, the beginning of Hard Knocks, it was the L.A. Rams, their first summer in L.A. And there was the shot, the initial shot was at Rams Park after they had packed up. And it said on one of the doors, and I'm going to paraphrase, but it said, leaving, and it said, never to return. And I, and I, I remember watching the beginning of that, and I said, oh, that's hilarious. So And it's kind of what Demoff was famous for in this discovery was an email called the AMF email. Adios, mm-hmm. folks. And it was obviously that 
it wasn't enough. And this is what we did learn. If you followed all along and people like Joel Courier, Ben Fred at the paper wrote Randy. about it a lot, Randy Carricker, and they went to the courtroom a lot. If you go back and follow all the things that were reported on, there was a real theme there. It wasn't enough for Demoff and Kroenke to leave town. They had to also raise the middle finger. And I think Demoff has cost Kroenke billions of oh dollars. Boy. No question. And, and at some point, I just wonder, does Enos look around the room and say, no, wait a minute, who screwed all this up? If, if Demoff doesn't do the interview with Sam Farmer the day after the vote. On the plane. On the plane. And they joke in NFL circles, they call him Ram Farmer because he's so inside with the Rams. Sure. But Sam, I would take the access if I were him. He writes the piece, and Kevin says, I'll never forget, summer of August in 2013. Where I was when he called. Yeah, and everybody's like, whoa, whoa. And I think he thought, hey, it's over. Now I can tell the truth. Also, the video at the high school did not help. Yep, that year where he's recounting. And he's like, luckily we had a losing streak so I could focus on the move. All of those things he said were very damaging, and I think to the lawyer's credit, is it an insane amount of money they're getting? Absolutely. What I do laugh about is they get the cut, which is you know thirty five percent plus expenses. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I think your cut will probably cover your expenses. It's like the the player that gets the thirty million dollar deal and then gets some tickets to the game. I'm like, hey, you could probably buy tickets. Yeah. We gave you thirty million, but I think the lawyers, while it's easy to make fun of the fees. There are people that worked at those firms that I heard that some people actually left some of those firms because they were like, I can't keep doing this for free. And for four years, now plenty of these guys are wealthy and it didn't affect their day-to-day, but some people work in there. I was told, well, like, I can't work on this case anymore because I'm not getting paid. And it was four years of that where there were no billable hours handed in, not a dime was spent. So as much as people are angry right now, they did the job and they took it on that contingency basis. What do your news people say, or maybe you may know this answer, but any indication about early on how this money will be split and how they're going to use it? I, I don't know if we've gotten clarity. You do hear that they're fighting over the percentage and the cut now. I thought it was pretty obvious that it each would get a third, right? The RSA, the city, and the county you hear that the county is saying we deserve more than the city, and I don't know what they're basing that on. I've heard from people on the RSA board, the Regional Sports Authority. That's an 11-person board. Uh, I think I think it's three city, three county, and five from the state. So there's a lot of people that sit in on that, that they're now getting calls from politicians saying, oh, we should do this, we should do this. Yeah. I wish they the three entities, and this is impossible in St. Louis, but if the three entities could get together and say, what if we if we spent this together – What's the most impactful thing we could do? You just, and I understand people's cynicism and they're probably dead on. It'll just kind of get frittered away and you won't see anything tangible. You know, like, hey, that's great. We got some new stop signs. You know, like it'll just kind of happen. There's got to be something, in my opinion, that has a lasting legacy. And there's a lot of money you could put in that it rolls over, too. Yeah. So you're making money every year on it to put into different things, infrastructure, whatever, whatever you want to do well, with that, the city I've, and had, the I've heard some people say if the three entities would get together, take the $500 million, put it in the bank or whatever, and draw off of that every year, and, and it's called you know the stadium fund yeah, or whatever exactly. you want to call it, the Kroenke fund, be funny about it, call it the AMF fund, whatever, and then take $25, $30 million a year out of that, and it goes to such and such every year. Uh, I don't think that'll happen. It's unfortunate it probably will be wasted. I, you know, the, the conventions, this is a whole nother, we can turn into like Donnybrook here, but are we a convention city is really a great question that our city has to answer. The likelihood, if you're a chiropractor in, in the annual convention, 
if it's in San Diego, you're probably going. If it's yep. in Orlando in January, you're probably going. St. Louis in January and February, it's probably not a great convention town. And San Antonio, same thing. You got people that want a warmer weather. So how much do you spill into the convention center slash dome is sort of the question. I got like two minutes left. What What's the one, let's say, storyline in sports looking at the 2022 or athlete? If we can get closer to the athletes with the COVID restrictions that you're looking forward to covering in this area. I'm, I'm interested in the Ali Marmol story because I don't know much about him. You know, have talked to him a couple of times in the dugout, and he's always very pleasant and nice. He's taken over a team that is somewhat poised to win. I don't think the Cardinals are World Series favorites. You know, we'll see if they make any additional moves after the lockout. But the, how he kind of handles the day-to-day, like kind of who is this guy? Yeah. He's 35, and he's running the Cardinals. That's a big job, at least – when Mike Schilt got it, he was already close to 50. He'd been around. And had been, managed a long time. And had been in the organization. And Ollie yeah. has done managing at the minor league level. But I'm intrigued at what kind of manager he'll be and how he'll handle. It's not a hot seat. We're not talking about New York City. But right. Just intrigued to see how he does in that role. Uh, and maybe maybe how the Blues do in the playoffs. Because the last couple of years have been a big disappointment. They've raised the bar collectively, you know, as an organization. They spend to the cap. They won the cup. But now you're looking at Bennington and O'Reilly and go, hey, can you do it again? I mean, that was great three years ago, but now you have a chance. You, you should be a cup contending team, and you shouldn't be losing in the first round if you're a cup contending team. Um, wrap it up with this. Okay, it's a Monday, so what's your uh, schedule like today? Where can we find you? Schedule today will be on Fox 2. We have uh, – we have a lot of shows, Dan, and Charlie Marlowe yeah. and I like to call them opportunities. Sure they are. For people in the market to get to see you and experience you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we'll be looking at about a 520 sports cast, probably award-winning, 620, maybe award not winning. award-winning, maybe not, I don't know, 940, 1020. The TKO is part of the uh, nightly. I like o- that. The Kilcoin Opinion comes your way every 10 o'clock sports cast, around 1020 or so. I like that. Greatest compliment ever was also the biggest insult. My mother, who's a loyal viewer, Unless of course say, she is. And every once in a while she'll say, oh, how come Frank's not on today? I'm like, I don't care if Frank's on. What are you watching them for? <laughs> but she said, hey, I really like this is the early stages of doing nightly commentary. And she said, those, those are really well written and they're very, you know, as short as they are, they're pretty tightly written and clever and interesting. She said, who writes those? I'm like, what? who writes my opinion? Who, who else would write it but so me? So she didn't get it. No. Well, she should. Yeah, we take we've taken Grandma's ratings book away. Okay, well, she's no longer a Nielsen family. I know she's been listening to this show. Yeah, well, she noticed uh, on the Sunday night scoops broadcast. Dan had me as a guest on Fox Two every Sunday at ten thirty. Thank you. Local coverage, uh, great half hour that comes out of all of our news on Sunday nights, and it's a great time slot too. It's a great way to unpack your weekend with Dan's show. And my mom sent me a text, and she saw it online somehow. Here's my mom. Good for online. her. Said I really enjoyed the segment with Dan. Well, she went to scoopswithdannymac.com. She did. She did. She did. Yeah. She probably subscribes. Probably. It's been a great year. If you go back and look. Oh yeah. Kevin Harlan, Bill Raftery, Bob Costas, Tony Larusa. I thought Rocky Sickman was one of your best, which was non-sports at that time. Absolutely, and it was right around Veterans Day. Yeah. But also the anniversary. You know, we're talking forty years ago. He was held hostage, an Iranian hostage. They took over the embassy. And he was there, I think, was a year and a half. And I remember as a kid, they always would go to Washington, Missouri. They had the yellow ribbons around the trees. They're waiting for the hostages to come home. 
but he was a young Marine stationed over there at the embassy, and the great detail he gives of the embassy being taken over by the hostile crowd. And think about being thousands of miles away. Your U.S. government, your military support unbelievable. isn't anywhere nearby, and you're overrun by these guys, and you're a hostage with you know, terrible conditions, you're blindfolded for a year and a half. And he said early on that he was told by a psychologist, either you talk about this story a lot or you'll be haunted by it. And he has chosen the former, which is to tell people his story. And it's so powerful. And he's really a great, I know him a little bit. He's a great guy and was on the set of the movie Argo, which is about that right. whole embassy takeover. And yeah. yeah, And he said Ben Affleck flew him out to California to be on the set to sort of consult about the movie. And if you haven't seen that movie, Argo, I've told people they should go back. It was a great movie. And John Goodman, local guy's in it. But uh, thank you. Yeah, Rocky Sickman. So it's not always sports. Awesome stuff. Thanks for doing this. Merry Christmas, Dan. You too. Merry Christmas. That's Martin. I'm Dan. Uh, back at it tomorrow at 10. And it's Tanner and Company. Yeah, that's what I'm going to call it. Tanner and Company coming up next on 101 ESPN.